uh, I'm lying in bed, scrolling through Twitter, as you do. And so I thought, hang on a second. This guy has a PhD. He's crazy smart. He's been in the industry for 10 times as long as I have. But this one narrow skill, this one very specific thing he paid me for, I bet other people would do that too. So I just lying there in bed, whipped out my laptop, typed up a little email to him, sent it. Then I, uh, I, got a, I got a message back from him the next day, like, yeah, let's talk. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today we're joined by Philip Kiley, who is currently head of marketing at Gumroad. Philip also launched writing for software developers last May, making $20,000 in sales in its first week without any pre-existing audience. In this episode, we talk about how Philip made 20k in his first week, why the creator economy is booming, and how you can launch your own info product. If you want some time to work on your own info product, then you'll enjoy what this episode sponsor has to offer. Weekend Club is a friendly community of indie hackers that meets up every Saturday for deep working sessions, making sure we stay accountable with our goals. The community includes the founders of bootstrap companies like Veed and SimplePole, as well as smaller indie hackers like you and me. Weekend Club has also just launched in the US, so if you're interested in signing up in the US time zone, use Indie Bytes as your code for 50% off your first month. Philip, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing really well after hearing all that. So tell me more about writing for software developers, your book. Made 20k in the first week. What is it and why did you write it? Yeah, so let me tell you a story. Very first job I ever got in tech was when I was in college, and it was with this guy at this uh, company in madison wisconsin they did insurance and it was a super cool job i learned a ton there left the job to do a a different internship couple years later i'm writing technical articles and i get an email from the guy who hired me back at that first job and he said hey philip it's uh it's interesting that you're doing all this technical content i also want to get published how can i do that and then he ultimately offered me like a very small, just like consulting contract to help him do market research for where he should be writing and to help him develop his voice and his style. And so I thought, hang on a second. This guy has a PhD. He's crazy smart. He's been in the industry for 10 times as long as I have. But this one narrow skill, this one very specific thing he paid me for I bet other people would do that too. So I took those couple thousand words that I wrote for him and I made an outline and then I just started writing and I thought, okay, I have a five week winter break. I'm going to get it done over winter break. That really didn't happen. It took me six (laughs) months, not five weeks. And ultimately I just had to set myself the goal of, okay, I'm going to launch this before I graduate from college, no matter what. I was just so motivated by this one interaction where one person gave me money in exchange for this thing and that was enough for me to pour six months of work into a related project because i knew that the market would be there for it when i was done well it's it's quite a feat to get it released and you, you got it released to your on your deadline right before you yeah six days before i graduated i put it up a, a huge thank you to my economics professor who gave me i think it was like a 10-day extension on a paper so that i could totally ignore the paper and <laughs> just work on the book even more well congrats on getting it live and you made something like 20 grand in the first week i was looking back through some of your tweets you made 15 grand in the first 24 hours 
Yeah, it was crazy. I, but what happened is I had this whole launch plan. I'd been thinking about it for a long time. I had all of the contents and copy pre-written. 8 o'clock central time, Tuesday, uh, May 12th, 2020, I just started posting. You know, I just, everything at once because it was all prepared ahead of time. And there were two things that helped me make sales. Number one, I got near the top of Hacker News. I did a show HN uh, that got onto the main page for quite a while. And then it was at the top of show HN for 24 hours. Half my traffic came through that. And then the other thing that made it very successful was that some of the people who I interviewed for the book also promoted the book for me, just out of the goodness of their hearts because they thought it was a cool product or whatever. For example, Patrick McKenzie tweeted about it. And even as my sales were on this crazy spike that day, for an hour after Patrick McKenzie tweeted, they spiked even harder. Basically, I didn't have any sort of audience at the time. Did you try to do any pre-sales of the book at all? Or was it just on the day, it was launch day? Not did, Were you telling many people about you doing this book? How did that work out? It was almost like a press embargo. It was nothing and then everything. The day before, I, I made my dad buy a copy so that I could, quote, uh, test and make sure that the system worked. So I wasn't working in public. I wasn't trying to build an email list ahead of time, making a bunch of blog posts, any of that stuff. I, by the way, I should have done that. Like, mm. and I could have had a much more successful launch if I'd done that. But I barely got the book done in time. Like, I didn't have the the capacity to do all that stuff on top of it. When I was speaking to Pat Walls on one of the previous episodes, he did the opposite thing. He got... 20,000 in pre-sales and only a few thousand after that. Well, I think he got 10,000 after that up until this point. But his whole thing was getting those pre-sales in for the course before launch day. Let me be clear. His method is correct. I got very lucky doing the wrong thing. It was, it was just that basically the stuff that I did is a roll of the dice and I did everything that I could to put the odds as much in my favor as possible. But ultimately, yes, I did get very lucky on that launch day. And so don't take from my story that it's okay to just ignore all of the hard work that goes into a launch. It's more that you can be successful without it. But if you want to guarantee that kind of success, then all of the preparation can be a, a way to lock that in. Mm -hmm. And Philip, you're head of marketing at Gumroad. It's part of Gumroad's not hiring people full-time. So you're sort of a, a quarter-time head of marketing at Gumroad, similarly to Daniel Fasalo with being head of product there. Tell me quickly the story of how you got a job there. I'll make sure I'll leave a link to your article in the show notes. Sure. So it's a Tuesday night. I'm lying in bed, scrolling through Twitter, as you do. And then I saw this tweet from Daniel Vasallo, where he sent Sahil a cold email and then got this job that sounded super cool. And I'd thought about working at Gumroad before. When he was hiring engineers back in the summer, I, I looked through it, but I, I wasn't really familiar with any of the technologies. And I already had a really good engineering job. But I looked through that email, and I thought, you know what? I can do this too. It's, it's an email. I'm good at writing emails. So I just lined there in bed, whipped out my laptop, typed up a little email to him, sent it. Then I, uh, I, got a, I got a message back from him the next day, like, yeah, let's talk. The thing that really sealed the deal, though, is I, I did the work before I got the job. Like, I sent him, I think it was about, like, 6,000 words of ideas about 
different stuff we could do. And then, yeah, the way Sahil works, which I think is really cool, is by the time you get on the phone with him, he's pretty much sold. If he doesn't think something's going to happen, he just won't get on the phone. I got on the phone with him. We talked for about 45 minutes in a interview fashion. And then he's like, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, how much money do you want? And and that was kind of it. Well, Gumroad is a platform that enables creators to sell stuff online. I remember first seeing it with Refactoring UI. I love that story. Then Daniel Vassalo, uh, Arvid Cole sells his book through there, Rob Hope, and many other indie hackers selling their products through Gumroad. Why do you think we've seen this boom in creators creating these info products and selling them through Gumroad? When you have absolute legends like Adam Wathan, not only making great info products, but also making great meta content about how to make info products. If you follow him on Twitter, if you read some of his blog, he'll, he'll talk about what to do. And this is something that really helped me out. I read Nathan Bailey's book, Authority, in order to write my book. So that's kind of what got me started. I've read tons of blog posts about how I had X launch day. And I've written the same things about my own work. So that's part of it, is that every generation of creators and making resources and examples that makes it easier for the next generation to succeed. So that's part of it. Other part of it is demand. And with COVID, that's where you saw Gumroad and just across the board, everyone's sales spiking. You saw tons of new people going on to Gumroad for the first time to become creators. When we see a spike like that with the overall transition to e-commerce also substantially benefiting the creator economy, I think that's a really good sign that this growth is real. It's not a bubble. It's not just a temporary fad, but it's a indication of the acceleration of a long-term shift towards people having valuable things to share and then figuring out how to monetize that very effectively. Why should people use Gumroad instead of just building their own sales page? I'm quite surprised when I saw people who I thought were technical. You're a technical guy yourself. Why use Gumroad instead of just connecting a Stripe page up, for instance? I did think about doing my own. I thought very hard about that. Here's the thing. You pay a small transaction fee. Let's say it's it's 1% higher. First off, you're getting a ton of help with compliance. We have a full-time fraud guy. We do VAT for you. We help you with sales tax. Basically, we make a bunch of stuff that you don't want to have to think about just go away. For me, that's ultimately why I chose it. It, it had nothing to do with the ability to implement a storefront and everything to do with not wanting to manage a storefront. However, beyond that, if you think about how valuable a developer's time is, whether you're hiring a developer or you're a developer yourself, then re-implementing the everything from refunds to confirmation emails to just the actual digital product delivery, making sure that people can go back and see it. And then you add on the benefits of just a little bit of ecosystem in terms of having a Gumroad library, having a trusted brand doing your payment processing, all of that sort of stuff, adding on the benefits of potentially getting a few extra sales from Discover, and I think that the value proposition is quite compelling for anyone doing, if you're going to be doing a billion dollars a year in sales, obviously you should be making your own platform. 
But even if you're in the single millions, I think that the unit economics still really works out to the point that you're honestly saving money, not doing it yourself. You mentioned before that you're just about to publish an article which will be out when this podcast is out. I'll make sure I do a link of some of the best stats of 2020. Phillips, what are your um, what are the standouts from this year? There's a bunch of nice statistics for Gumroad, cool clickbait stuff that we like to talk about, like creators owning $142 million collectively, or there being almost 46,000 people who made money on Gumroad in 2020. Something unsurprising, 1% of Gumroad creators are responsible for 60% of the gross merchandise volume, 60% of the sales. And then if you get the uh, top 10%, that's going to be 92% of the sales for 2020. Wow. Who's made the most? Eight people made over a million dollars on Gumroad in 2020. That's um, amazing. And those, yeah, I was, I, I, I think I was number uh, 642 in sales. <laughs> yeah, I, I think all interesting stats, and it's great to see the the growth of Gumroad and and the creator economy and the boom we're seeing. For someone like me, say who's never sold an info product online that might be interested in in doing something on Gumroad and selling something on Gumroad. Where should I start? So there's a few different places you can start depending on how far along you are. If you just are saying, I want to sell an info product, I don't know what it is, I don't know how I'm going to do it, I don't know what I'm going to make, then we have this thing by our head of community, Randall Connor. She made something called the 14-Day Product Challenge. And the way it works is over the course of 14 days, you build an info product or whatever else you want to build for that matter. And every day there's a structured advice on what you should do that day. And it teaches you kind of everything you need to know over the course of two weeks. And Daniel would say that two weeks is about how much time you should spend on your first info product, maybe a little more, because you want to make it a small bet. A lot of the times I come on podcasts like these and I tell my story and then I immediately tell people, don't do what I did. (laughs) So one of those things is you don't necessarily need to spend six months working on your very first info product. That's a pretty big chunk of time to invest (laughs) in exchange for a very uncertain payoff. So if you can do something quickly, if you can do something that people are going to pay for because the content is valuable... And the content is so valuable that you can be a little quick about some of the you know, formatting and packaging and all that sort of stuff, then that can be a very good way to get started. Well, I think that's a grand ambition, Philip. Love, Going to love to hear from you more in the future. I like to round off every Indie Buys episode with three recommendations. I'd like a book you recommend, a podcast that people should listen to, and a creator people should follow or support. I have to recommend the book Authority by Nathan Bailey. If you're going to create a info product book i followed it to the letter it worked great okay so you should listen to how i built this with guy Vaz, and i'm sure that a lot of people have listened to this podcast before because they've wanted to hear the story of one particular billionaire business mogul or another but the actual value that i've gotten out of it is guy Vaz taught me how to be a good interviewer the guy who i credit with the vast majority of everything i've been successful with is patrick mckenzie If you're not familiar with his work, go read his essay on salary negotiation. That's made me literally tens of thousands of dollars in my life. Great recommendations, Philip. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you for listening to the pod. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you've made it this far into the episode and you'd like to support the podcast, I'm now offering a membership with ad-free episodes and extended conversations. Head to IndieBytes.co slash membership to find out more. As always, links to what we discussed are in the show notes. See you in the next one.